This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, episode 43, What I Teach. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become unstoppable, body and mind. Hello, my friends. Today, I wanted to devote some time just to summarize what body and mind life coaching is, what I teach. This is episode 43. I've been doing this podcast since January, so I wanted to have one place to refer people to summarize the main concepts that I teach about healing chronic pain and disease. But first, please, 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 if you are liking the podcast and have not yet given it a rating or review on iTunes, then please hop over there. I have a link in the show notes to tell you all about how to do it, but you can rate and review my podcast there, which helps it be found by more people. So first, I want to tell you a little bit about my history and how I came to body and mind life coaching, because it really has been years in the making for me. I've always been drawn to self-help books. So in the libraries or bookstores, that's usually the aisle I would go to. And then in college, I got my bachelor's degree in psychology before I got my master's degree in physical therapy. And even in my applications and interviews with physical therapy school, I talked to them about how I felt it was important to treat the whole person, to look at people as a body and a mind. And in PT school, when I had electives, I would always choose alternative medicine. So I was always interested in this connection, but once I started practicing, I found there was just not as much room as I had hoped for treating the whole person. And I had no tools to talk to people about what more is going on in their lives in ways that I could help them. The way that I was trained to look at pain is that it is a sign from your body that something is physically or structurally wrong. So I would teach people to tune into their bodies because I found that so many people were dissociated from their bodies or hated their bodies, felt like their body was their enemy. But then I would teach people to fear. I would teach them that the pain is a sign that they're causing damage or hurting themselves. I would teach them to be careful, to avoid certain positions and to do or not do certain activities. I would teach them to be very aware of what they were doing in the moment and link their pain to a physical cause. And a lot of people would get better, but I noticed there were some people that would just never get better or they would get better in one area, but then the next month they'd be coming back for another body part or for that area that started hurting again. And I didn't know how to help them, which was frustrating for all of us. And then what I now believe is a fortunate event is I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disorder. And my friend who's going to DO school, becoming a doctor of osteopathy, told me that ulcerative colitis is considered psychosomatic along with most other autoimmune disorders. And I was like, what? <laughs> because none of my doctors had told me anything about this 
And I was fascinated. Of course, it was kind of exciting for me because I had always had a belief about the body and the mind working together. So I began to learn all I could about the connection between the body and the mind and the power of your thoughts. I studied the amazing things they've found in neuroscience over the last five to 10 years regarding chronic pain and disease. During this time, as I was healing and evolving, I was also going through a divorce. And I had learned about life coaching a few years before as a way to manage my mind. So I combined these things that I was learning and transformed my life in so many ways. I knew that this was the missing piece for those people with chronic pain that I just couldn't help. And I knew that I had to keep sharing this with as many people as I could, just so that people know that this is an option for them. So the first thing I teach is a new way to look at pain based on neuroscience. So where I learned that pain is a signal from the body that something is broken that needs to be fixed, we learned from neuroscience that pain can actually be produced in the brain and felt in the body. This is called neuroplastic or neurogenic pain. Just because it comes from the brain does not mean that this pain is all in your head, unless I guess you have a headache or a migraine. But sometimes people think psychosomatic means it's all in your head. There can be signals originating from your brain that cause physical changes in your body. So tightness, swelling, redness, numbness, pain, those symptoms can all be physical and real. But the source of the physical pain and symptoms is not something that's broken in your body that needs to be fixed, but with neuroplastic pain, the pain signals begin in the brain and are felt in the body. It's centrally mediated. So this makes sense if you think about our brain being super efficient. Say you start having some pain with going downstairs and this becomes a pattern. And your brain knows that after a few steps, you start getting pain in your knee. And so what it can do to protect you is when you start going down the stairs, maybe a little bit sooner, it gives you that pain signal to protect you from danger. And then maybe even just the thought of going downstairs starts to bring some pain. So the more you focus on pain that you have, the more you are increasing the amount of neurons that wire and fire together, the strength of the neural pattern that you're using over and over, and even the amount of your brain that is devoted to pain sensation and recognition is increased when you are focusing on pain a lot. This may seem crazy, but try it out yourself. If you have been avoiding a certain activity for a long time because of the fear of pain, then sit down and imagine yourself doing that activity. With imagining this, do you notice any sensations in your body? Muscle tightening or guarding, or maybe a twinge or a spasm? Some people are not even able to imagine themselves doing certain activities. It's like their brain just prevents them from even imagining doing it. If your pain was coming from a purely structural cause, then thinking about it shouldn't change the amount of pain that you're feeling. Thinking about your pain can increase your pain, and there are ways of thinking about your pain that can decrease your pain. So the first main thing I teach is 
a new way to look at pain. And the second main thing I teach is how to react to pain when you do have it. I teach specific techniques you can use to rewire your brain to produce less pain. When you focus on pain, the neural connections get stronger and more and more of your brain actually becomes devoted to looking for and producing pain. There's kind of a hypervigilance around pain all of the time. Do you feel like pain or thoughts of pain take up most of your mental real estate? And remember, the more you think about or focus on pain, the more hypersensitized to pain you actually become. It's like the volume knob for pain sensitivity is turned way up when you have chronic pain. So what I teach is how to turn that volume down. And it's mainly by what I've been teaching on this podcast, going into the body, going into the sensations, not retracting or pulling away from them, not reacting with fear. This is a huge one. Just by reacting neutrally to the sensations in the body, that sends a message back to the brain that this is not that important. It's not a survival emergency. And so if the brain continues over and over to get that message of neutrality, that this is not important, then it will stop sending those signals of pain. And if the brain gets this message over and over, a neutral reaction to the sensation in the body, then the brain begins to rewire itself and produce less pain. That pain sensitivity volume knob that's turned all the way up we can start to turn it down a little, to de-stress, to feel sensations and react calmly. This concept may be familiar to you if you do yoga, where you can be in an uncomfortable position, but focus on yourself, focus on the breath, return to the body and react with calmness to what you're feeling. I think that the natural state for the body is to heal if it's in the proper environment. And that can mean physically and emotionally. For example, you can't be in chronic fight or flight and effectively heal your body. Being in fight or flight or survival mode for long periods of time is one of the biggest factors leading to chronic pain or disease. Other animals are able to switch back out of fight or flight into rest and repair when the threat is gone. But humans, because we have our highly evolved brains, our big prefrontal cortexes, we are able to think about the past and the future. So even in times when there is no visible threat to us, we can still maintain that mode of fight or flight, that hypervigilance, always being prepared, always on the lookout for danger, which our brain may feel is very important for survival, but we wanna get out of survival mode. We wanna not just survive, but to thrive. When we are under stress, we produce the same hormones and neurochemicals like cortisol and adrenaline, just like we would if we were in physical danger, like being chased by a tiger. So even though we may be safe sitting in a chair, thinking of some future event, we can have the same chemical reactions going on in our body as if we really were truly in physical danger. 
And this, if it continues for long periods of time, can be dangerous to the body. Things like cortisol levels being high for long amounts of time does cause inflammation in the body. And think about how many chronic conditions are linked to inflammation. Just think about your computer, how it runs slower with all of the tabs open, or how sometimes you just need to shut off your phone and let it reset for a few minutes. The nervous system in our bodies is the same way. We can't be in the sympathetic or the fight or flight state all of the time. We need to have these periods of time that our nervous system can downregulate and relax, which is going into the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and repair state. Slowing your breathing is actually one of the ways to get back into the parasympathetic nervous state, the state of rest and repair. In stress, you usually don't sleep well. I mean, you have to be alert to danger for survival at any moment, right? So when you're not sleeping well, the cells don't regenerate and repair as well. So you can see that chronic fight or flight is hard on the body and it's just not a sustainable way to live. The stress response shunts blood from the digestive and reproductive systems. So if you have chronic conditions involving these systems, you might want to ask yourself if you have been living under chronic stress. So what I teach is to get really comfortable with noticing and describing and allowing all of these sensations in your body. And I teach you when you start to feel in your body that nervous system ramping up, that you can calm yourself back down. And this is really an awesome ability. It's a meta skill to let emotions come and go without reacting to them. If you can get comfortable with feeling all of the emotions and sensations in your body, then you can do whatever scares you. Public speaking, making money, being vulnerable, making connections, having boundaries, you learn that you can feel anything, an emotion or a sensation in your body. So this leads to the third main thing I teach people, which is the importance of their emotions, feeling their emotions and acknowledging all of their emotions. Most people who have chronic pain and disease are big feelers, people who are maybe more sensitive, highly emotional, or even empathic. And in childhood, you might have found out pretty quick that people don't like all of your big emotions. They might have told you not to cry or be angry or talk back or whatever you were taught. Maybe you were taught it explicitly or maybe it was just modeled to you by your parents. Again, I think of the brain as being efficient and emotional repression is much more efficient for your brain. You wouldn't get much done if you felt all of the feelings from all of the 60 to 70,000 thoughts that your brain produces. Maybe there are some feelings like feeling vulnerable that you do not like feeling. And so you have avoided them. And when it comes up, you try to repress it. Our sweet, efficient brain trying to help us and protect us would rather send us physical pain than have to deal with these emotions that we have been repressing. It's like the brain actually perceives these repressed emotions as more threatening to survival. How could our brain do this? Why would our brain do this? Here's an example. Imagine a new parent who is, of course, in love with their baby, but also sleep deprived 
and a little bit disillusioned about how much work there is with having an infant. And imagine that mom might have some moments of her time where she actually hates that she has a baby and wishes she doesn't have a baby and is mourning the loss of her freedom. But that's not how she wants to think of herself as a parent. And maybe it's not good for survival if sleep-deprived parents think a lot of these things about their infants. So better for the brain to distract the new mother with tension headaches or other body conditions than for her to realize that she has some of these feelings about not wanting her baby. If you have studied coaching for very long, this might be a really important piece for you because a lot of times people familiar with coaching start to just coach themselves subconsciously. You might start to coach yourself out of negative emotions automatically. You kind of become this thought ninja and maybe don't even realize that there are some emotions that you're repressing. But when you have chronic pain or disease, you really want to access any of those dark, mean, horrible thoughts, those feelings that you would rather skip over. You don't have to dwell in them or react to them. So if you have angry thoughts, it doesn't mean you have to go around yelling at people and being angry all the time. The main thing is just knowing that you have some of those thoughts and some of those emotions and acknowledging them. Know that it doesn't make you a bad person, even if you have some murderous thoughts sometimes. You need to embrace that shadow side. Get in touch with your bad self and accept it. It's that radical self-acceptance like I talked about last week. It's only by really, truly accepting all parts of yourself that you become free to change. And it works with pain and disease, just like every other part of life. The process for accessing those repressed emotions is a journaling process I call PenVent, where you just write all of the junk, all of the things that you judge yourself for thinking, all the things you don't want to admit that you think, getting it all out on paper and then either throwing it away, burning it, destroying it. It's like going to the bathroom or blowing your nose. You're not saving anything, trying to look through it or figure it out. You're just getting it out and moving on. You can hear more about this journaling process in episode 19, PenVent. So I teach one, a new way to look at pain, two, how to react to your pain, three, pen vent and feeling all of your emotions. And the last main area I teach about is how to tap into your intuition and evolve into your higher self. And this is the coolest part of my work because I really find it so empowering to help people tap into this knowledge and find out they have this resource for themselves. This is also such a meta skill. You can do this anytime. The more you develop a relationship with your body, the more it will signal to you. So you become this integrated person, accepting all of yourself. And when this happens, you have space to hear, to listen to yourself and to trust yourself and to know that you are indeed the expert in your own body. This is a very personalized journey. Your body has the answers and will guide you and inspire you. You just need to stop blocking it and get out of your own way and find the ways to tune into it. And just like when you focus a lot of your thoughts on pain, you create more pain in your body. 
one of the main ways to rewire the pain pathways is to focus your attention not on what you don't want, but focus your attention on what you do want. So if you have a dream that's been latent for a few years or decades, or there's something that you love doing when you're in the flow, how can you do more of that? How can you do more living on purpose? How is pain holding you back from achieving your goals? Pain is sometimes considered the entry point or what brings you to this work. But there is so much more to evolving yourself once you learn that you can handle all of your emotions and your fear. So this is what I teach. I help people reframe their pain, rewire their brain, and evolve their lives. If you are interested in coaching with me and want to get into all of this deeper and have it custom fit for you, I do have one spot left in my six-month one-on-one intensive coaching program and won't have another one open until January. So hurry and sign up for a consult call with me. You can check out the link in my show notes. And if you want to watch this podcast in video, check it out on Instagram or YouTube. Look for me, Body and Mind Life Coach. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.